0: Uh, good evening, uh, brothers and sisters, and welcome to our Bible study for today. Before we go ahead and proceed to our studies, we ask everyone to please stand for our opening prayer. Everlasting and most holy Father, thank you so much for gathering safely your people. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to receive your holy words and commandments. We need it, O oh Father, to serve as our guiding light. serve us as food for our souls we can be strengthened and nourished that we can go on in fulfilling our purpose in life Lord God we ask you to please guide us as we study your holy words together manifest your Holy Spirit speak to our minds Oh God and edify our faith we know you have much to say to each one of us this is why every time we get the opportunity like this We long for you. We long for your presence. We long for your direction because we know this is what is best for our life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we also pray to you. Remember each one of us here as we go through various testings in our life. We look up to you, O Lord, by means of this book, the Holy Scriptures. May you speak to us. Give us courage we need yes. that we can stand firmly with you and by you Amen. in every facet of our services. Amen. Father, please forgive our sins. Yes. Make us worthy before your gospel. Yes. For we ask and beg everything in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, praises be to God that we're gathered together today. Okay. Everyone, please come in. We welcome everyone to our Bible study for tonight. It's been a while since I last preached on a Wednesday for a Bible study, and I kind of miss it, and I miss all of you as well. And so welcome to the first episode of our new project, our new Bible study series. We call it the Bible History Project. However, before we proceed to the Bible History Project, there are three announcements I want to make first. Is that okay? Yeah? Yeah. What is announcement number one? Next slide, please. We have not, and I want to reiterate this to everyone, we have not, because there are people who are asking me, Brother John, did you register a church? And to answer everyone's question simply, we have not registered a church or any religion. We simply started a Facebook page to post our Bible studies, worship services, and other activities as we continue the work of God and good works as part of the body of Christ. A Facebook page is not, and I want to stress this it's not affiliated with the Iglesia Ni Cristo that came from the Philippines and began in 1914. So that's announcement number one. Any questions about announcement number one? No questions. Let's go to announcement number two. I have decided no longer to speak about the Iglesia. Christo. This includes rebuttals. I know there are a lot of people who wish I would continue to do that, but I want to avoid conflict with any religious groups. I noticed that when we speak about the Iglesia Ni Cristo, we have many families, we have many friends who are still members of the Iglesia Ni Cristo. It was never our intention to attack them personally. If ever we spoke before about the Iglesia ni Cristo, we were speaking about wrong doctrines and wrong implementation of the will of God. And so that is as far as the exposés that we are conducting is up up until. So we have completely removed ourselves from that work. We love the Iglesia ni Cristo and all of her members. We love their executive minister. What's his name again? Brother Eduardo V. Manalo. And we pray for him as well as his family. We have many differences, yes, with the Iglesia Ni Cristo. I don't agree with a lot of things that they're doing, and I'm sure they don't agree with a lot of things that I'm doing. But let's just respect each other's opinions and move on from there because there's so much that God wants us to do and so much that God wants us to learn. Announcement number three, because a lot of people are asking me, I am not one with ADD. What is ADD? I am not one with ADD. I am not one with Mr. Eliseo Soriano. I respect them. I respect him as human beings, but I do not uphold their teachings. We believe that we are the very small remnant that God has left from the third group of his people during the Christian era. We believe it is our duty to continue the work of God, the work of Christ as members of the body of Christ and uphold the teachings of the Holy Scriptures and the teachings of Brother Felix Y. Manalo and Brother Eranio J. Manalo. So that's what we stand for. So having said all of that, let's proceed to our Bible study project. Next slide, please. And so what this project is all about is about exploring the Holy Scriptures. How many here have a Bible at home? Yeah. Everyone has a Bible at home. How many of you read your Bibles? Oh, my goodness. Everyone says, I have a Bible, but I have not touched it yet. And it can be a daunting experience, isn't it, to read your Bible? There's a lot of stuff that sometimes doesn't make sense. Sometimes we have to make connections here and there for us to be able to grasp what God's will is. And so what the purpose of this project is, and by the way, this project called the BHP, or Bible History Project, is just one of the many ministries that we'll be establishing as the people of God in these last days. Take hey, no, this project is not meant to be dogmatic. We're not saying that what we're going to learn throughout our studies together, we want you to accept as core doctrine. We're just simply exploring what the Bible teaches so that we can appreciate, so that we can see and grasp how awe-inspiring the Word of God really is. So what is our purpose? Why do we want to study the Bible from cover to cover? Let's go to our first uh, passage, please, 2 Timothy 3:15 and 17. And that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which is the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All, not some, not most, but all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word inspiration means God breathed. This is why when we read the pages of scripture, it is as though God is speaking to us. How many want to speak to God? How many want God to speak to them? All it takes is to read the scriptures and ask the Lord God Lord, speak to me. Let me know your divine will and plan. The Bible is inspired and because it is from God as a gift to all of us, what can we gain from scripture? The Bible says it is profitable. In other words, it is beneficial for so many things in Our life. So there are three things, three major purposes that we want to get from the study of the history of God's people. What are they? Let's go to Romans 15 in the verses 4. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us, in order that we might have hope through the patience and encouragement which the scriptures give us. What is one purpose? Which is why we need to study the holy scriptures from cover to cover, because when you read the Bible, When you study the history of God's people, you're going to find patterns, right? Patterns that you can learn from. And so you will learn things that the people of God did in the past. Wait a minute, I should not do that pattern because that pattern led to apostasy, for example. So we can learn from the people of God in the past so that we can have hope, patience, and encouragement for the future. That is one purpose of bible history and when we go through scriptures i just want to i just want to warn all of you we're going to find many unusual things this is why i want to let you know right away next slide please when you consider the biblical pattern of god's people you will see the depravity of humankind sometimes it might not even be rated pg-13 you will see the, the very dregs of society you will see how low human beings can become we will see the depravity of humankind yet amidst all of that it highlights all the more the depth of god's love compassion and grace for mankind that is what gives us hope this is why we study the patterns of the holy scriptures what else are we going to learn when we study the history of god's people let's read uh, John 5:38 to 39. By the way, who's the one speaking there? Who's the one speaking? Our Lord, Jesus Christ. Christ says, you don't have the Father's message within you because you don't believe in the person he has sent. You study the scriptures in detail because you think you have the source of eternal life in them. These scriptures testify on my behalf. So Christ says when you study the details of Scripture, which is what we're going to do. Is that okay? We're going to study the details of the Scriptures. Because when you study the details of the Scriptures, what will you find? You will find a testimony about a person. Who is that person? Our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Christ said about the Old Testament? Let's read the book of uh, Luke, chapter 24, 44. Then he said to them, these are the words... I spoke to you while I was still with you. I told you that everything written about me in Moses' teachings, the prophets, and the Psalms had to come true. When you think about Moses' teachings, what do we call that? Moses' teachings. These are the five books, the first five books of the scriptures. How many here remember the first five books of the Holy Scriptures? What is it called? The Torah, right? Torah, which means instruction it's also called Moses' teachings because he was the one who wrote the Torah okay and the prophets and the Psalms had to come through so the Torah the prophets and the Psalms are they part of the New Testament or the Old Testament it's all Old Testament however Christ says when you read the Old Testament it's actually about me not many people realize that They read the Old Testament and they think God doesn't connect it with Christ. Christ says everything in the Old Testament is about Jesus. What does that mean? Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however... Is found in Christ. According to Apostle Paul, all the Old Testament rules, regulations, festivals, celebrations, laws, and commands, all that was substance. But the reality is found where? In Christ. This is why when Christ came, the fulfillment of the Old Testament was manifested. This is why we can say about the Old Testament and New Testament. Next slide, for you to kind of gain uh, the connection. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, because the the New Testament is the completion of the Old Testament. The New Testament is the completion of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. So they connect together like hand in glove. When you have the Old Testament by itself, the New Testament doesn't make sense. When you have the New Testament by itself, without the Old Testament, the, uh, the New Testament doesn't make sense. They need each other. They're connected. They complement one another. So I want you to see that in our study of biblical history. And the third uh, major purpose of our study together of Bible history is in the book of Psalms. 119 verse 18, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. There will be times when we're going to be awed by what we will see in God's teachings. And so we always include in our prayers, Lord God, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your law. And there's a reason why Christ said this. Matthew 5, verse 18, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. There's a reason why Christ said that. We will find out later. But I just want you to, look to, to remember, next slide, that the Bible is the most studied and researched book in the history of the world. And the more it is studied, the more we are at awe at its wonderful truths. This is why I can't wait to study the book of Genesis together with you, because that's the first book of the Bible. Is that okay? But do you still remember? The three purposes, the three major reasons why we are going to study the Bible, Bible history. Next slide. Three major purposes of the BHP. What is BHP uh, again? Bible history project. Number one, learn from the patterns presented by the Bible. We can learn from the past. Mistakes as well as the successes of God's people. You change bad patterns and adopt good patterns. Okay? What is the second purpose? To find Christ in all of scriptures. For example, in the very first word of scripture. I want to see if you can already find Christ in there. Okay? What else? Number three, see the wonderful things in God's words. You see, everything, every detail in the holy scriptures is there by design and by Purpose. So when we fulfill these three major purposes and reasons, what shall become of us? Next slide. We will grow in faith, hope, and love together. Okay? So that's an introduction basically to the Bible history project. And so without further ado, that was a pretty long introduction. Let's go jump into Genesis. But before we jump into Genesis, Genesis is part of the Torah. What's the Torah again? The first five books of Moses, right? And so we have the first five books written by Moses. And Genesis is the first book. Exodus is the second book. Leviticus is the third book. Numbers is the fourth book. And Deuteronomy is the fifth book. Who wrote all that? Moses. What's the meaning of the word Torah? It means instruction. I'm going to ask you later what what the, the Torah means. But what is the purpose of the Torah? What is the purpose of instruction? What do you think it is? To teach instruction? For what purpose? What does God want from us, which is why he gave us the Torah? To know him, guidance, so we can be led to God. Okay, there's a good question. There's are good answers. Later on, we'll kind of find out what it all means. And so the Torah is composed of five books. Genesis is about what? Beginnings. The origins of the universe, the origins of man. Exodus, what is it about? The birth of a nation. What nation in specific? Specifically. Yeah, the nation of Israel. Leviticus. What is Leviticus about? The law of the nation. And for many people who study the Bible, out of all the different books, this is what they find really difficult to read because there are so many ceremonial laws. It doesn't seem to make any sense. However, when you look at Leviticus, it serves as a foundation for many of the medical principles that we have today. We're going to discover that when we study Leviticus. What else? Numbers. What is number, Numbers about? Wilderness. Wanderings. Right? When they were being tested by God. And how many failed the test of God. We're going to study that. In numbers and Deuteronomy. Laws reviewed. Laws rekindle so that they can re-evaluate their life and reconnect with our almighty god you know uh the torah is actually um in hebrew next slide that's the hebrew of torah which do you think is hebrew the one on the left or the one on the right <laughs> the one on the left tav it has a a tav a vav a resh and a hay. okay And it's transliterated in English, T-O-R-H, Torah. You know, in Hebrew, you read it differently from the way you read English, right? How do we read in in English? From left to right, right? How do we read in Hebrew? From right to left. You notice the nations east of Jerusalem, how do they read? From left to right. How about... The nations west of Jerusalem. How do they read? From left to right. It all points back to where? Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem, as as far as the Bible is concerned, is the center of all things. So when we say Far East or Misrak, it is Far East in reference to Jerusalem. This is why you get the Philippines, the farthest end of Misrak or the Far East. I just wanted you to kind of get that. But that's Torah in Hebrew. The Tav, the Vav, uh, the Resh, and the hey. Okay, did you get that? <laughs> you know what I would, just a suggestion, recommendation. I want you to study the Hebrew alphabet. If you can get a chance, you can maybe you can study Hebrew, an online course in Hebrew. It's really awesome. And there's a reason why we should do that. I'll get into that later, but it's a good it's a it's a fruitful work when you study Hebrew. And in the 1980s, something was invented that kind of led to a lot of insights into scripture, especially the Hebrew scriptures. It was called the computer, right? 1980s, how many had a computer already? Not not nobody, right? Unless you were super rich, because back then in the 1980s, you had the big IBMs, right? The size of this room was the, the size of the computer. But when they had these computers, there were some researchers, next slide, a person by the name of De- Dr. Eli Ripps, who was an, a mathematician and also Hebrew scholar, and he used the, he used the computers to look at different uh, patterns in scripture. And he found a pattern in the five books that I want to share with you today. Is that okay? Yeah? Because it's pretty amazing. That's <sighs> why so I want to share it with you. However, I just want to clarify to everyone, this is not dogma, okay? We're not telling you if you don't believe this, you're not going to be saved. This is not doctrine. We're exploring the scriptures and we want to see the different insights that people are discovering about the scriptures. So Dr. Eli Rips found something hidden in the Torah. What does Torah mean again? Instruction. Now, his findings was popularized by a theologian by the name of uh, Dr. Chuck Missler. He already passed a couple of years ago, but uh, I'm going to use some of his graphics. Next slide. This is Genesis, and that's Hebrew of Genesis chapter 1, right? And you see that letter there? That's Tav, the first letter of Torah. According to the mathematician, when you count 49 letters after the first time you're going to get another word what is that next slide 49 letters you're gonna get the vav or the o t and o count another 49 letters and what do you get you get the r in english or the resh count another 49 letters what do you get what do you think yeah you get the h or the hay. And what does that spell? Next slide. Yeah, it spells Torah. Isn't that amazing? Right? 49-letter sequence. And 49 happens to be 7 squared, right? Wait a minute. That's just coincidence. Well, let's try it for Exodus. Let's go to Exodus, Okay, Let's do the same thing for Exodus. Next slide, please. First, tau is there 49 letters later what you get wow you get the vav 49 letters later what do you get there you go you get the resh next slide and then you get the hey what does that spell next slide next slide again what is that torah is that amazing genesis you get torah exodus you get torah what's the next book the middle book How many think you're going to get Torah? Raise your hand. Yeah? Uh, We have two peoples who think they're going to get Torah. How many here don't think we're going to get Torah? Well, next slide. Do we have the pattern? No. (laughs) It's not found in Leviticus. Okay, what's after Leviticus? What's after Leviticus? Next slide. Numbers, right? How many here think Torah is found there? using the seven-squared pattern. What do you think? you think it's there? Well, actually, next slide, it's not. Uh What you find is a backward Torah or a reverse Torah. Instead of a Torah, you get (laughs) Ahroth. right? That's for numbers. What's the last book? Deuteronomy. For Deuteronomy, what do you think you get? Next slide. Wrote. Wow! Genesis, Torah, Exodus, Torah, Leviticus, nothing, Numbers, the uh, the uh, reverse of Torah, Deuteronomy, the reverse of Torah. But Leviticus has nothing. However, if we go back to Leviticus, next slide. There's Leviticus, there's something else that kind of shows up. What is that? Next slide. It's not Torah that shows up. You know what shows up? It's that one right there. You know what that is? Y-H-W-H. Next slide. Yeah. <laughs> Yahuwah. 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 Right. What's that? The name of God. And so I want you to look at something here. Next slide. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Next slide. Genesis and Exodus, which arrow does it point to? Numbers and Deuteronomy, which arrow does it point to? They all point to Leviticus, right? Why? Next slide. Because Torah always points to the name of God. Remember I asked you, what is the purpose of the Torah? What is the purpose of the instructions of God? It is to lead people to who? To God. Right? Isn't that amazing? Right? These are some of the wonderful things you're going to find in the Bible. And we haven't even touched Genesis really yet. And I'm going to go to the first verse of Genesis. What's the first verse of Genesis? Genesis 1. But before we go to the first verse of Genesis, I want you to get an overview of what Genesis is all about. Is that okay? Next slide, please. An overview of Genesis. So it begins with creation 1 to 2. Chapter 3, what is it about? The fall of... Humankind, I was going to say mankind, but in reality, it was the woman. (laughs) So humankind, Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. I want you to be familiar with the characters, (laughs) at least the overview of what Genesis is all about. And so after Cain and Abel, Genesis 5, we have the genealogy of Noah. And when we get there, we're going to talk about the genealogy. And I'm going to show you something wonderful as well. Okay? And you're going to be, wow. You're going to say, wow, I can't believe that's all there in Scripture. And then you, we're going to talk about in Genesis 6 to 9, the flood of Noah. Genesis 10 to 11, the tower of Babel. Genesis 12 to 20, Abraham. And then Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. Joseph became the governor of Egypt. And that's where we leave you in Genesis. But let's go to Genesis chapter 1 and the verses 1. Next slide. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth you know that's one of the most important verses in all of scripture because in that one verse alone are two things you're going to find out about God and by the end of our study I'm going to ask you for those two things that we need to find out about God that's contained just in Genesis chapter 1 and the verses 1 you know if you can believe and accept Genesis 1 verse 1 you're not going to have a problem with the rest of the scriptures but if you can't accept that You're going to have a problem with accepting the rest of the scriptures. What does the Bible say? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what does passage 1, Genesis 1, 1, tell us? Number one, there was a beginning, right? There was a beginning. Number two, there was a creator. So the universe did not create itself. There was a creator. Which, who created the universe in the beginning. The universe being the heavens and the earth. So when God created everything, because if you look at the word created, it comes from the, the Hebrew word bara, which means to create out of nothing. So before there was nothing. Then from nothing, God created everything, all of mass, reality, space, and time at the beginning. Okay. Now, why do we specify the beginning? Next slide. Because when you study the history of scientists, what was the belief of many scientists about the universe? You know what the belief was before, before, before modern astronomy, before the Hubble telescope, before the Hubble, Hubble's discovery? What was the belief of many scientists about the universe? Like the majority of scientists, you know what they believe? <laughs> this is what they believe. Next slide. They believe that the universe is eternal. With no beginning and no end. It's just there. It's eternal. Because if there was a beginning, that's a big problem. Because if there was a beginning, somebody had to create it. Because you cannot create a universe out of nothing without violating the first law of thermodynamics. Right? You can't add or subtract matter or energy. And so that would be a big problem for the scientists. However, you know, when you think about it logically and common sense, there's a reason why. There's a common sense reason why the universe is not eternal. You know what it is? You see, if the universe was eternal, then temperature of the universe should be uniform. It should be the same wherever you go. But that's not the case. And so when more and more discoveries were made, scientists and physicists and astronomers What have they concluded? Next slide. All the evidence we have so far says that the universe had a beginning. We said that as a cosmologist, and not just him, but many of the other physicists. They have concluded because of the evidence. There is a beginning to the universe and that the universe is not infinite. The universe is finite, which means what? There had to be a creator. You know who was one of the scientists who did not believe that the universe was, uh, had a beginning? You know who? I think you know him. Next slide. Okay. Being a pantheist and a naturalist, Einstein tried to reject a beginning by introducing a fudge factor in his equation to avoid there being a beginning of The universe. It was just unscientific for the universe to have a beginning. However, he later admitted his error and spoke of his desire to know how God created the universe. He said, "I'm not interested in this or that phenomenon, in the spectrum of this or that element. I want to know His God's thought. The rest are details." So when the evidence came, Einstein and Einstein admitted that he made a big mistake. His fudge factor, which was his way of trying to get rid of the idea of a universe having a beginning, he said, I was in error. And so he confessed to what? Next slide. He says, A person who never made a mistake, never tried anything new. Isn't he a humble man? Right? So don't be afraid to make mistakes. (laughs) Because if you never made a mistake, you never tried anything new. And we should try new things at least once in our life, or perhaps even more. All right, and so we have Einstein and many scientists today who believe that their universe had a beginning. However, Genesis one one is just the beginning. So Genesis one two to five, what does it say? Next slide. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God said, "God saw the light." It was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And so after God created all of matter, that was not enough. What else did he have to do? He had to organize the matter. He had to organize the reality that he created. You see, if God did not intervene, what would happen to all the stuff that he created, it would dissolve into disorder. How many here are familiar with the second law of thermodynamics? In a closed system, what happens to everything? It goes from a state of order to disorder. Things just kind of get disorganized. That's the second law of thermodynamics. So the Bible is telling us in the beginning, after God created all the stuff, God intervened. How? How? The Spirit of God was hovering. If the Spirit of God did not hover, the universe would remain without form and void. It would be disorder. This is why when we study Genesis chapter 1 about the creation of the universe, the world, and mankind, we see a pattern of evening and morning. Do you know what evening and morning means? Next slide. Hebrew of evening and morning. It means, uh, evening means Erev, which means chaos. It suggests chaos. And Boker means what? Order. So what does God specialize in? He turns what is chaotic and makes it orderly. Did you get that? That's what we need to learn about the creation of the universe. God takes what is chaotic, God takes what's in disorder, and he makes it come out orderly. That's God's specialty, okay? And so how does the biblical pattern uh, come out? The days of creation in Genesis uh, chapter 1. Next slide, please. And so in day 1, what did God create? Earth, space, time, and light. Day 2, created the atmosphere. Day 3, dry land and plants. Day 4, sun, moon, and stars day five sea and uh, the sea creatures and the flying creatures and day six land animals and <laughs> men how many here believe in this creation yeah uh, those who say i can't believe that brother john why not because i believe in millions of years right you know we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about millions of years today but in our other bible studies we're going to touch on that but i want you to know this the hebrew word for day means what What's the Hebrew word for day? It's Yom, spelled Y-O-M. And Yom can have different meanings. It can have 1,000 years. It can have 24 hours. It can be a long epoch of time. Yom. However, when you put a number in front of it, like first day, second day, it usually means 24 hours. I believe that God created the universe. In six 24-hour days. I believe God create, can create the universe instantaneously, everything in it, right? But he chose not to. He chose to create it in six uh, days. Why? I don't really know. But I think it's for us to model his work and rest schedule, right? Because God wants us to follow that pattern. But people, tell, people sometimes ask, well, when... Uh, How about the age of the universe? When you look at the light of the universe, it looks like it's how many years? 16 billion years, right? When you look at the earth, it looks like it's how many years? Millions of years old. And we're going to study all about that in the future. But I want you to remember this. Is it possible for God to create the universe and to create man with the appearance of age? Yeah. When God created Adam, how old was he? When God created Adam, how old was he? He was one day old, right? But how did he look like? You think he looked like a baby? An adult, maybe 20 years old? So if Adam was somehow able to transport through time, and the scientists and the doctors examined his body and looked at it, what would be our conclusion? By the looks of his uh, body and his organs, my conclusion is he is 24 years old, right? But in actuality, how old was he? One day. (laughs) Why? When God created Adam, aging was a part of it. When God created the universe, the aging was built into it. Why? Because God also created the natural laws. And he will keep his creation with the integrity of keeping the natural laws. So it makes sense that when he created in day one, day two, day three, all the way to day six, when he created it. It comes with the aging factors built into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But we'll talk more about that next time. But I want you to know is the pattern of creation. Next slide. So when you look at Genesis chapter one, it all follows this pattern. God said, Let there be, there was. You know when God says, Let there be, no human force and no universal force can hinder what God said, right? So when God says, let there be, there's always going to be what? There was, right? God saw that it was good. God never will do anything that is not good. He will only do something that is good. And there was evening and morning. What does that mean? God has turned chaos into what? Order. That's what God does. And that's what God can do in our life. This is why, if I can ask you the following question. Next slide. I want you to answer this question in your life. What chaotic situation are you in right now? Some of you are sick. Some of you have friends who have betrayed you. Some of you have problems in the home. Some of you have financial problems. Some of you are suffering uh, because you you can't get the the grades right. Not getting good grades. How many here have their lives chaotic right now? Anyone here? Yeah. Nobody wants to raise their hand. My life is in perfect order. You know I asked you that question? Who specializes in turning chaos into order? Who specializes in that? Our Almighty God. So what chaotic situation are you in right now? Why do we ask that question? Because, next slide, all it takes is just one word. From our God, your chaos will become order. your tears of sadness will become tears of your problems will become opportunities. Your sickness will become miracles and your weaknesses will become strengths. All it takes is what? Just one word. I don't want you to ever forget what one word from God can do. This is why it doesn't matter what our circumstances are. If we have God who has power in that one word, just one word from God, that's enough. Remember, with one word, you know what God did? Next slide. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, And God made two great lights, a greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And perhaps one of the most comical statements in all of the Bible. What did God say? Oh, Oh, by the way, he made the stars also. (laughs) Right? He created the two great lights. He created the moon and the sun. Oh, and by the way, he also made the stars. It's like the writer is telling us, that was no big deal to God. All it took was God's word "Let there be stars, and there were stars. You know how vast the universe is with stars? You know how many stars there are in the universe? Next slide. Genesis 22, verse 17, just to kind of give you a glimpse of the kind of power God has. Genesis 22, 17, it says, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the sea. Sure, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. How many stars are there? As many as the sand on. That's a lot of, that's a lot of stars. Next slide. You know, during the time of the philosophers, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, they made a conclusion about the number of stars in the universe. You know what they said? They said the maximum number of stars there are in the universe was 3,000. Yeah, that's what they said. But someone invented the telescopes, right? Powerful telescopes. And what did they find out? Next slide. Well, Jeremiah said all along, I will make the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister before them as countless as. The stars. You know how many stars there are in our galaxy. What's the name of our galaxy? What's the name of our galaxy? Milky Way. You know how many stars there are in the Milky Way galaxy? Hundreds of billions of stars. Not million, not billion, but hundreds of billions of stars in just one galaxy. Next slide. There's the Milky Way. You know how many galaxies there are in the whole universe? Next slide. Hundreds of billions of galaxies, each containing hundreds and billions of stars. And to give you an idea of how vast that universe is, what's the name of our closest galaxy? We're the Milky Way. What's the name of our closest galaxy? Huh? Yeah. Andromeda, next slide. This is Andromeda. You know how far, next slide, Andromeda is from us, from the Milky Way? You know how far? how far it is next slide 2.537 million light years away not 2.537 million miles away 2.537 million light years away do you know what a light year is it's the distance light travels when it travels for one whole year you know how fast light goes 186,000 miles per second. You know how long light will take to travel from here to the moon? 1.3 seconds. Can you imagine light traveling for a whole year? That's one light year. How far is the closest galaxy to us? 2.537 million light years. And that's just the second galaxy. There's hundreds and billions of galaxies throughout. The universe and God said, Oh, by the way, God also made the stars. (laughs) You know what God is showing us here? Psalms 19, verse 1. Why did He create the heavens like that? The heavens declare the glory of God. God wants to show us His glory to realize the power that He has. All He needs to do is say, Let there be light, there will be light, let there be stars, there will be stars. Next slide. This is why when you look at the universe, they're going to be in awe of the glory of our almighty God. Not only did God create the, the universe, what else, what else did God also create? Genesis chapter 1, 20, verse 21. God said, let the water team with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which the water teams according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. How did what else did God create? All living things, the living creatures, creatures in the air, creatures in the sea, and also creatures on land, right? And eventually, human beings. How many here have studied uh, evolution before? Because the Bible says God created all the animals according to their. But when you go to school, you learn all about evolution. What does evolution tell us? Next slide. Basically, across millions of years, right, you start out with one kind of animal, monkey, monkey maybe, and then throughout millions of years, it evolves into a transitional creature. It's like half monkey, half something else, right, until eventually it becomes a different kind of animal, human, <laughs> Monkey to human through millions of years in between you have the missing links, which by the way remain Missing, missing. missing. <laughs> Right? That's the theory of evolution You know when they show you an, on the uh, during the uh, science classes they show you an example of the moth, right? And you see like a moth that's colored bark and eventually What happens to the moth? Because it has the same color as the trees, they remain alive. And so eventually all the butterflies become what? All all, all, all the moths, I should say, become what? Moths with the same color as the tree. And they call that evolution. It's called microevolution. Take note, the moth still is a moth. It did not become something else. Evolution tells us That through millions of years of evolution, one kind of creature will become a different kind. God says no. And who was the one who uh, pioneered that? Next slide. Yeah. What's his name? I forgot. Not Saint Nick, huh? Charles Darwin, right? How many here heard of Charles Darwin? Yeah. You know what Charles Darwin said? He said, in the future, he, he was alive. When, when was he born? When was he uh, popular anyways? So almost uh, 100, about 150 years ago, right? So about 150 years ago, Darwin said, during our time, when we discovered the fossil records, he said, the fossil records will either confirm or will deny my theory. And so... I want you to think about this because you know we have to put everything to the test. Next slide. If evolution is true, what can we expect to find in the fossil record? Think about that. If evolution is true, there's going to be lots and lots and lots of what? Transitional fossils, right? Fossils of transitional creatures will abound. No fossils of fully formed creatures will be revealed. That if that is if evolution is true. Makes sense. If creation is true, what can we expect to find in the fossil record? Next slide. Well, fossils are fully, fully formed creatures, but no fossils of transitional creatures. In the 20th century, 21st century, what has the fossil record revealed? Number one or number two? Let's find out. According to uh, uh, Emeritus, Museum of Comparative Zoology, Ernst Mayer, Harvard University. Given the fact, this was in 2001, given the fact of evolution, one would expect the fossils of document to document a gradual steady change from ancestral forms to the descendants. But this is not what the paleontologist finds. Instead, he or she finds gaps in just about every phyletic series. In other words, what they find what do they find in the fossil record? Next slide. Instead, of, instead, fossil types are fully formed and functional when they first appear in the fossil record. For example, we don't find creatures that are partly fish and partly something else, leading gradually in the dozens of characteristics which they exhibit to today's fish. Instead, fish have all the characteristics of today's fish from the earliest known fish fossils. Reptiles in the record have all the characteristics of present-day present day reptiles and so on so when you look at the fossil record what does it show fully formed creatures but no transitional fossils which rejects the theory of darwin and confirms what god said all along creatures were made according to their kind you know and in our future bible studies and in our website because we're going to prepare a website we're going to be posting articles about those things for you to dig in, dig uh, in depth, because not everyone here really appreciate the science behind it all. So we're gonna, we're gonna save that for that. Okay. Um, so God created the stars. God created the living creatures. God created nature for what? Isaiah 45 verse 18. The Lord created the heavens, is the one who is God. He formed and made the earth. He made it a firm and lasting. He did not make it a desolate waste, but a place for people to live. It is he who says, I am the Lord. There is no other God who created the heavens and the earth, the animals, the trees, the plants, and everything else in it, who created them. God did. Why? Why did God create the heavens, the earth, the stars, the creatures, the vegetation? Why did God create all of that? What does it say? So that it will be a place for people to live. This is why when someone studied about the different natural conditions of our universe, this is what they came up with. Next slide. The universe was fine-tuned for human life. 21% of oxygen in the air is just right for human life. you change it just a little bit, we won't be able to exist. You know? gravitational force is perfect for life to exist distance from the Sun it's just perfect expansion rate of the universe is just right the thickness of the Earth's crust is the correct amount for life you change it you tinker with it just a little bit you won't be able to exist anymore the tilt of the earth offers the best conditions for life the speed of light is proper amount for life the strong nuclear force and even the weak nuclear force that holds the atoms together, it's just right. You change it by a factor of 1 to the t- divided by 10 to the 13th power, which is a minuscule number, we're not going to have life. Can you imagine that? The distance between stars is just right. The cosmological constant energy density of space is just right. Everything is just right. Because if you change it just a little bit, we won't be alive today. <laughs> so, what does this show us? Next slide. <laughs> Remember that famous scientist? Mm-hmm. The one on the wheelchair? What's his oh, name again? Uh, Stephen Hawking. Okay. You know what he said? The remarkable fact is that the values, the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted. Richard Dawkins, famous biologist, biology is the study of complex things that appear to have been. Designed for a purpose. There's a design in the universe. What's the purpose of that design? For us to live, right? You see, God created the universe, the vegetation, the stars, the atmosphere, the earth, for who? For us. us. But why did God create us? What do you think? God created all this for us. But why did God create us? Next slide, Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. You see, we matter to God. Why did God create us in his image? Because God created us for him. Did you get that? The universe and everything in it was created by God for us, but we were created for who? God. We were made in his image because he wants to have fellowship with us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And when you think about that, when we think about the fact that we have been created in the image of God, brethren, let us respect all human beings on earth because they matter to God. Did you get that? You know, God created us in his image because he wants to get to know us. He wants to relate with us. God cannot relate with the monkeys or the whales in the same way God relates with us. With us, it's personal. Why did God create us in his image? Next slide. Psalms 8, 4. When I look at the sky which you have made, and at the moon, the stars which you set in their places, what are human beings that you think of them, mere mortals that you care for them? The stars, the moon, the sky, God made for us, but we were made for who? For God. This is why, what does God say? God cares for us. God always thinks of us. You know how much God thinks about us? Psalms 139, 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. God is always thinking of us. When was the last time you thought about God? Even when we're sleeping, who thinks about us? God. When we wake up, God is still thinking of us. You know what shows the depth of God's care for us? Next slide. Luke 12, 6-7. Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one sparrow is forgotten by God. Even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth much more than many. Sparrows, even the hair on your head, God numbers, God counts them. For some people, it's an easy count, right? Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> three strands. It's an easy count. But God thinks about us all the time. You know what else God knows about us? Next slide. Psalms 56, verse 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Can you imagine that? Sometimes when we cry tears, we think nobody cares about us. Up there? God is collecting our tears in his bottle. Why? I believe when we get to heaven, when we ask God, Lord, when this happened to me in my life and I was crying, I thought I was by myself. I didn't understand the purpose of it all. And I think in heaven we get the chance to talk with God and tell God, ask God, Lord, what was the purpose of that pain? What was the purpose of that suffering? And each tear that God collects, He will show us how all of it connects to where we are now today. God collects the tears in his bottle. What else? Next slide, Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she love can she feel no love for the child she was she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget. You see, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. that? God not only collects our tears; He has written our names in the palms of His hands. This is why it doesn't matter if you're in this registry or that registry. What matters if you are in His palms? And God says, I have recorded your name in the palms of my hands. God loves us that much. What else? Next slide. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 13. I alone know the plans. I have for you plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster plans to bring about the future you hope for. And you will call to me. You will come and pray to me and I will answer you. You will seek me and you will find me because you will seek me with all your heart. God has a plan for us. Not only does he have a plan for us, this is the best part of all. God wants us to find him. The purpose of our life is to look for him and to find him. God wants us to find him. God wants us to look for him. And God says how he can be found. What does it say? How can we find God? God says you will seek me and you will find me because you seek me with all of your heart. This is why if ever, next slide, if ever you feel lonely, discouraged, or sad, I want you to remember God created you in his image. God thinks about you all the time. God collects your tears in his bottle. God has written your name in the palms of his hand. God has a plan for you, and God wants to be with you. You know what all this means? Brethren, next slide. It simply means God loves you more than you can ever imagine. Remember I told you two things that I want you to learn from Genesis chapter 1? You can answer them now. Number one, all it takes is just one. doesn't matter what your circumstances are. God has the power to change your life. God has love for you god loves us so much not only that here's the best part genesis chapter 1 verse 1 next slide in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth in that one verse and in that one word in hebrew which we will show you later it reveals the love of god You know, before God created the heavens and the earth, you know what God was thinking? Next slide, Ephesians 1, 4 to 10. Even before the world was made, God had already chosen us to be His through our union with Christ so that we would be holy and without fault before Him because of His love. God had already decided that through Jesus Christ He would make us His children. This was His pleasure and purpose let us praise god for his glorious grace for the free gift he gave us in his dear son for by the blood of christ we are set free that is our sins are forgiven christ is the head the church is the body that's ephesians even before god created the world he had a plan he had a plan about us he had a plan about christ you know what this ephesians 1:4-10 god's plan about us That's in Genesis. Remember when I told you that everything in the scriptures, including the Old Testament, is about Christ? In the first word of the Bible. This plan, Ephesians 1, 4-10, is in that first word. Do you remember the first word of the Bible? Next slide. In the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. We can see the power of God. But when you dig deeper, you will see the plan of God there. The plan to love us. You know what that word is in Hebrew in the beginning? Next slide. It's Bereshit. Bereshit. So those three words in English is only one word in Hebrew. One word. The very first word in the Bible is Bereshit. That word is powerful. You know how powerful that word is? It's written in Hebrew. And in Hebrew, this is what it says. Next slide, Bereshit. It has one, two, three, four, five, six letters. Bet, Resh, Aleph, Shin, Yod, and Atav. In Hebrew, I believe God chose the Hebrew language for a purpose. You see, in Hebrew, every letter has a meaning. And when we look at every letter, it tells us something. It tells us a story, which is the beauty of Hebrew. Next slide. This is the Hebrew letters with their pictographs. And so we're going to look at what it actually means. Bereshit. What does bereshit mean in English? In the beginning. So before God created the universe, there was the bereshit. What does that mean? Let's look at the letters. Next slide. So better sheet. it has a bet, a resh, an aleph, a shin, a, a yod, and a tav. What does bet mean when you look at the pictograph? Next slide. Bet, what does it mean? What does it say? House. Okay, next slide. So bet means house. Next, we go to resh. What does resh mean? Next slide. Resh means what? Head. Head. Person first, okay. Next slide. Aleph. What does Aleph mean? Next slide. Strength, leader, ox. Many Hebrew scholars believe it represents God because he is the supreme leader. Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet. Next slide. So Aleph, God. What's the next letter? Sheen. What does sheen stand for? Next slide. All the way at the bottom, what does it say? Eat, consume, destroy next slide yod what does yod stand for what do you think next slide it means the hand work deed okay yod next slide the last one tav what does it stand for the letter next slide mark sign covenant next slide so we have beth resh Aleph, shin yod tav berashit Can you see a message there? House, head, God, destroy, hand, covenant. What does the house represent? Church. Who's the head of that church? Christ. The household of God is the church. Christ is the head. What will God do with the head of the household? Will destroy with his hand. Why? To establish a new covenant. In other words, when we construct it together, next slide, what is the message of Bereshit? Christ, the head of the church, will be destroyed by the hand of the Supreme God to create a new covenant so that we can be God's children. That's the first word of the whole Bible. It has Ephesians 1 in it. Do you see that? You know, we can even look at the scriptural meaning of every letter. Next slide. It's kind of small, right? Bet home, 1 Timothy 3.15. God's household is the church. Resh, Christ is the head of the church. Colossians 1.18. Aleph, God. God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is the leader of Christ. Destroy, shin. Isaiah 53.5. Christ was speared for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Yod, hand. It was by the hand of God, stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted by him. And Tav. Covenant, his blood will purify our conscience that we may receive eternal blessings from God because Christ is the one to arrange a new covenant. Even before he created the universe, God was thinking about you. That's how much he loved you. Not only that. Next slide. Bereshit. Not only does each of the letter have a meaning. You can combine letters to form words. So when, next slide. For example, we can combine the bet and the resh. What do you get? Next slide. Son. When you combine, when you put aleph, what does aleph stand for again? Next slide. God. What else? Next slide. When you combine shin, yod, and tav. Remember, this is all from Bereshit. What do you get? Next slide thorns Mm. next slide when you combine the resh aleph and shin what do you get head next slide when you combine the, the bet and the resh and take out the aleph and add the shin what do you get next slide tree son of god thorns on his head hung on a tree is that all biblical next slide When you combine the shin and the yod, what does that stand for? Next slide. Gift. And the last letter of that word, tav. What does it stand for again? Next slide. Covenant. The son of God was humiliated by wearing a crown of thorns on his head, was crucified on a tree or a cross so that we can receive the gift of a new covenant to make us his sons and daughters again. What is that? Next slide. That's Ephesians 1.4. And it's all contained where? In one word. What is that word again? Bereshit. 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 Next slide. This is why when you look at Genesis chapter 1, the next time you read your Bible, God has a message for you. God is telling us, I'm all-powerful. I created the heavens and the earth with one word. And God is telling us, I love you. Even before you were born. I have given up my son to die for you. So that you can be my son and my daughter. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is all about the love and the power of our almighty God. And so Apostle Paul, knowing this, what does he tell us to do? Romans we're almost done. 8.31-32 What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us who can never be against us since he did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all won't he also give us everything else? The very first word in the very first verse God is telling us how much he cares for us he gave up his son because he gave up his son, God is telling us, Don't you think I'm willing to help you, whatever your needs are? What are your problems? What are you going through in life? What are your sicknesses? God loves us, and there's one thing God wants us to remember. Next slide. Just one word. All it takes is just one word from our God, and that would be enough that would be enough, our circumstances will change. Genesis chapter one, verse one is a beautiful verse, powerful verse, revealing verse, because in the very first word, God shows us his love and his power. I don't know about you, but I have fallen in love with God. I don't know about you. But that should be enough to convince you to give up your life for God. To give up your life for the Son of God. He has given up his Son. And he has shown that to us by means of his word. Brethren, there's nothing for us to be afraid. But every reason for us to be bold. Because no matter what our situation may be, all it takes is just one word from God and God loves us enough to do exactly that. Let us all stand, brethren, and we shall pray to our God. Everlasting Father. Yes, Father. Thank you so much. We cannot really comprehend the depth of your love and concern for each and every one of us. Even before we were created. Even before the world was made. You thought about us. And you have provided a way. So we can be with you together. Thank you for showing this to us. For strengthening our faith. Thank you for giving us hope. Now we can be patient. Because we know you have a plan. For each and every one of us, you know very well what we go through in our life. Especially because of our condition. When many loved ones of ours have betrayed us, we have you. You will never betray us. You are always there for us. Lord God, we know all it takes is but one word and we will be able to find every solution to every problem we face Amen. may you speak that word for our sake yes. give us that hope we need yes. we can go on until the end wow. remember your people those who are going through persecution yes. including yes. the family of brother Eranio Manalo. Yes. we pray for all of them yes. pray for all those who are under duress yes. those who are being opposed and oppressed yes. father we can do nothing but you can do everything. All it takes is your word and things will begin to change for our sake. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much. Thank you for being there, for sustaining us always, for thinking about us, for being a shepherd to all of us. Thank you for giving us boldness and the courage to speak the truth no matter what happens in our life. Please forgive all our sins. Yes. Bless your people everywhere. Yes. We ask and beg everything, O oh Father, yes. in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, okay, brothers and sisters. Uh, we just have uh, one announcement. Um, thank you for joining us, by the way, to, uh, with our Bible study. Uh, it won't be this long next time. This is just the... Uh, chapter one, it's, it's so much information, chapter one. I was actually thinking of doing a four-hour one, but I said, no, no, no. We'll make, it, we'll make it just this long. But, you know, next time we'll do Genesis chapter two. If we have time, Maybe we'll Genesis chapter three. But there's so much to learn in just Genesis alone. I don't even know how long we're going to stay in Genesis. Maybe by 2020, we'll move on to uh, Genesis chapter five. But I can't wait to study together with you about the Garden of Eden. Can't wait to study about Noah's Ark. I can't wait to study about Cain and Abel. There's so many things that we need to learn, okay? And I want to share that with all of you and with as many people who would like to study the Word of God together with us, okay? There's a lot of hidden gems in the Holy Scriptures, and you're going to be wowed and inspired and edified because of what God has hidden for all of us and what He has in store for each one of us. In the meantime, we would like you to join us for our... A live worship service every Sunday, 11 o'clock a.m. PST, Pacific Standard.